This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So winter's here, everything is frozen over, can you still hunt geese? Not only can you, but this can be the best time of the year to do it. On this episode, I'm going to talk about three different strategies to hunt geese in the late, frigid, icy season. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we are talking about goose hunting in the late season. Now, a lot of people, they think, okay, well, after Christmas and New Year's come and go, pretty much hunting's done for the year. Maybe there's a little bit of deer hunting left in your state, but that's pretty much it until, until spring turkey comes along. And that could not be further from the case. At least, or couldn't be further from the truth, at least in most places, goose hunting can go way into the winter. In fact, where I hunt, I think it it stretches into mid-February, almost seems to touch March some years. And it is a serious late season, dead of winter, January, February sport that is can be the best time of the year for goose hunting. Now, it's only the best time of the year if you know how to hunt them, you know where they are, you know what to do, and you know what not to do that maybe worked in the fall, but it's not going to work in the winter. So when it comes to late season geese, the thing to keep in mind is these birds are limited to wherever they can find food and water. They gotta have food and water. Food and water is the key. They're not staying anywhere they can't find food and water. Now, if they've got water and nothing else, they will. They may stop there. They may pass through there. They may land there. They might spend a few days there, you know, scrounging for what they can find. And if they can't find enough food, 
they're going to move on and keep going south. Uh, it's worth mentioning, though, that not all geese leave. They do not all migrate from the south. Now, in Alaska, they all leave, all right? In northern Canada, they all leave. But in New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, stretching that same band all the way over, they do not all leave. In fact, there can be sizable populations that stay in certain areas if they have open water and if they can find food. Now, if you get to the point where there's just too much snow and all the water freezes over, probably most of them are going to leave. But normally, where I hunt in western Pennsylvania, you know, we get some pretty cold winters and most of the time there is still a sizable goose population that remains. And you can have birds migrating even until the end of the season. You know, think about it. Southern Canada, there's still some geese hanging around. You get to February and you get a serious cold snap. Everything freezes over. All the food gets buried with snow. Even though it's late season, those birds are moving, looking for, looking for water and food. So they are on their way south looking to find something to eat. In fact, in some places, geese, if they have food, if they can find fields, if they can find food, they will, they'll make do without much water, at least for a little while. Some places, who knows, you might have some geese that are mindful to just stay all winter and with no water if they have food. But these are the things that they need, that they look for to survive. So even late season, you can still have migrating birds uh, in, in most parts of the country. Maybe not everywhere, but most parts of the country, you can still find geese migrating late season. And I'll tell you what, I have become so attuned to it. So attuned to hearing geese in the distance, in the morning, when I'm getting in the car, going to work, when I'm on my lunch break, when I'm going to the store, you know, I just pick up geese with my ears. Just I've become so sensitive to it. You know, it's like if you've if you've been hunting turkeys for years and and you go out to 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 the drugstore to get something and you hear a turkey gobble, you will key in on that like nothing else, right? You know, you just you're just so sensitive to that sound and I've become so sensitive to the sound of geese that I know when they're traveling, when they're moving, when they're not moving around our area year round. And uh, I can tell you that up until the end of goose season, you still have geese moving. Now they may not all be migrating, but they're moving. So often what will happen if they're, standing, if they're staying put in an area, or at least temporarily, they're gonna move from where they roost to where they eat. So early morning after the sun comes up, they can see good. After maybe they warm up a little bit or the sun finally hits them or whatever strikes their fancy, they're going to leave their roost. Usually they're, they're going to be roosting in water. They might be roosting in, in a field. They're going to leave their roost and fly to where they want to eat, where they want to lounge, where they want to hang off, hang out. And what I can tell you is there is more goose movement here in western Pennsylvania in February than there is in the September, October, and November hunting seasons. Uh, absolutely is. So, you know, the odds do not necessarily get worse 
when you get into the winter time. In fact, they may get better depending on the factors in your area. So how do you hunt these late season geese? Well, there's three main ways you can hunt them. And it's, you know, similar in overall strategy to to what you might have done in the fall, except what's very different is the movement, the migration, the ability to to pinpoint birds that are staying close in your local area because they're traveling a lot, they're making more noise, but also birds that are migrating through we're traveling big distances for food and water. In my opinion, it can become a lot easier to find and to take birds in the fall so or in the winter. So number one, uh, open water. These birds have much less open water come January, February. There's just less water, period. It's frozen over. What you've got that's still open, you have fast moving water, streams, rivers, big bodies of water, um, creeks. If there's enough water and if it's moving fast enough, it'll stay open or at least it'll stay open in certain spots. So for example, there's some creeks around here that, you know, long lazy stretches, they'll freeze over, but the water's still moving underneath. You get to bends and more narrow, tighter pinches where the water's a lot faster Maybe there's some white water there. That'll stay open even in the coldest of the cold. You know, very rarely will the whole thing freeze over. And even if it does, it's usually only for a couple days. Now, like I said, in Alaska, everything freezes over. There is no moving water. There is no food they can dig deep enough to find. It's just, there's no birds that can stay that far north. So depending on where you live, You know, these factors are going to change some. The more south you go, I think the more chance that you have at, you know, having open water and having resident birds and migrating birds. But if you find open water, say most things have frozen up, that's good. That's not bad. You're like, well, my my hunting hole froze up. Okay, you know, I get it. That's where you like to hunt. That's where it's convenient. That's where you have good success in the fall. Great. But you got to find the water that's moving. And the birds are going to be focused to areas of water that are moving. Some places you've got long creeks or streams or small rivers or even big rivers. Birds will travel these sometimes like a highway. All right. Whether it's migrating or whether they're just moving for food or, or their regular patterns. They will travel these things often like a highway, just flying right over top of that moving water. So what you want to do is find water that's open. And once you do, then it's to figure out how do you want to hunt those birds that are there. If you've got a destination or if you have a place that you're going to be able to catch migrating birds, then you want to set up a big decoy spread. Now, this does not work so well for new hunters. Why? Because new hunters don't have big decoy spreads. You have not invested hundreds or thousands of dollars in buying hundreds or more decoys. Even if you pull together you and a few other friends, if you're all new hunters, you're just not going to have that many decoys. 
you're not going to have a place to store that many decoys. You not have figured out a way to get that many decoys anywhere. So that kind of a tactic is tough. All right. Uh, what works better for new hunters, if you can find moving water, open water, streams, creeks, tributaries, anything that is narrow enough that you can shoot from one bank to the other, find these places, figure out when and where the geese are moving, and then set up either with a few decoys or just hide real good along the banks, preferably with a little bit of elevation, and pass shoot. All right, so you can set up on water with decoys, full spread. That's one way to do it. The other way is pass shooting. And I think for new hunters, you may have better luck. You also you definitely have more realistic financial opportunities if you just set up and pass shoot. Now, what I like to do is if you've got some water that's open and moving and flowing and you're able to set up there and you can pass shoot, I like to put out some decoys and I like to find a place where the, the birds that are flying in from either way, they could see those decoys and I've got a chance to call them in. And if there's a small group, they might land, all right, might get those birds to decoy. How many decoys? Anywhere from four to a dozen is usually the most any new hunter is gonna just gonna have the the financial and logistical space capabilities of getting, storing, transporting, and using. So I like to do something like that. This is gonna do two things. One, you've got a chance to take birds that come in and decoy. They're coming in to land. You shoot them when you're landing. That's, that's like the greatest way to do it. It's the best, most, is the most effective way, I think, to get good shots. You got close range, birds that are coming in almost at hover speed, getting ready to land. Uh, that's the prime prime of how to do it. Most of the time, they're not going to do that, though. They're going to fly around. If you call to them and have some decoys, they might circle once. Uh, you might you might be able to bend them towards you, but they're just not going to come in. So the idea is, if you're pass shooting, you put some decoys out there, you throw up a few calls, you get the birds to look at the decoys instead of you. And if they're coming in close enough, they might slow down, they might circle, they might just bend over towards your direction to get a closer look at the decoys, and if you can get them within 30 yards, 40 max, you can pass shoot them. You can shoot them while they're flying by. Now this requires practice. It also requires uh, good aim, good ammo, but it's a lot easier to knock down a goose, or to hit a goose at least, than it is a duck. Pass shooting geese, you got a lot more bird there to, to get some pellets into. Whereas you got ducks flying by, you know, you much smaller target, and you really have to be a good shot. And I'll be honest, I like pass shooting geese. It's a good, or ducks, it's a good strategy. I recommend it. I've done it. Uh, it's fun, but it's hard to identify ducks sometimes. They're just flying straight by. It can be hard to figure out that that, that bird's making one pass. He's not making, he's just flying by. 
he's going down a stream, down a lake, down an area, across an area. It can be hard to identify what kind of a duck is that because they're small, they're tiny, and at 30 or 40 yards, it can be tough to figure out, okay, is that a wood duck? Is that a hooded merganser? It, you know, it can, it's not always that easy, depending on the lighting, depending on how fast they're moving. Geese, on the other hand, I think are a lot easier to identify. They are bigger, right? They're just bigger birds. You know, you might have a wood duck flying by that weighs two or three pounds. You have a goose fly by that weighs 20. It's just a lot bigger. You can see a lot more clearly, you know, Canada geese are Canada geese. You, you can see and tell a Canada goose usually from a mile away, right? You've got some other varieties of geese depending on where you're hunting and there can be some nuance. But for the most part, I find it easier to ID geese for pass shooting than anything else. So you have that advantage. All right. And where we hunt, you know, goose is a goose. Canada, I, I've never seen a goose other than a Canada goose out hunting where I hunt. And you can take ever X number of day per day, depending on the time of the year, what, what part of the season it is. You don't have to worry about male or female. You don't have to have any of those thoughts, big, small. If there's a Canada goose that flies by, you can take it home. And it's easy. It's simple. It, you know, you don't have questions. Like, hey, there's one. We can do it. So pass shooting can be a great way to do it if you have open water that's moving. Now, you can open water. There's ways to do it. You can walk out into the water and break it up with your boots or your waders, excuse me. Smash it up, cut it up. Some people go out with a chainsaw and just cut the ice. Uh, what I've found is that that works fine if the temperature is above freezing or at least slightly, or at least it's not too far below freezing. You know, maybe you've had a few days where it was super cold. You got ice on, on the pond, on the lake. Go in, cut that ice up, break it up, shovel it out, slide it under the ice shelf, throw it on top, well, you know, grind it up and make snow cones, whatever you want to do. Get that ice out of there so you've got open water. But if it's too cold, it's just going to freeze right up. I've had it just freeze solid to my decoys within, I don't know, an hour and now it's not open water anymore. It's just, you got frozen decoys and ice. So if you've got standing water that's just going to refreeze, that can be tough. Now they make things that are called ice rippers and different pumps and things. That'll just churn water. Just churn the water to keep it moving, to keep it open. To do that, and you see the geese coming from a distance, you can turn it off. Or you turn it on for, you know, 10 minutes every half hour or whatever you do to keep it open when there's no geese around. And, but that's money, that's equipment, that's heavy, that's space. These are not things that you're going to have as a new hunter. These are things that, you know, years down the road you might acquire after you've gotten, you know, all the regular standard stuff that you might want to whatever degree that you want it. So those are options, but not really realistic, I think, in terms of the new hunter. You're just not going to hunt cold, middle of the winter, iced over standing water. You're just not going to do it. 
because it's just going to refreeze. Unless, like I said, you get a warm day, you might have two inches of ice, but it's 40. Okay, you can cut that ice up, break it up, get it out of there, make some open water in an area where geese are passing by, and then you can hunt like that. No problem. That can work good. Totally reasonable. Put your decoys out. Do what you got to do. Sometimes you don't even need decoys. If you just provide them with some open water in an area where there is no open water, they'll just stop there for for a break just because they can, just because they haven't seen anywhere else. But if you've got a lot of moving water nearby, if you've got streams and you've got stuff, and then you've got some standing water just off to the side, you want to cut a hole there, you may not have the draw power because they've got open water. You know, why would they stop where you're at when they can just keep going over open water and stop wherever they want? Now, if you have a giant decoy spread with 200 decoys on land and sea, well, that might do it, sure, but new hunters aren't going to have giant decoy spreads. So, the ways that you've got to do this. Number one, you can hunt on open water. You can set up decoys. Number two, you can pass shoot over moving water or whatever areas they might go through. Number three, you can field hunt. And field hunting can be a ton of fun. I, I think in some ways it may be the best way to do it in the water in the winter because when it's, you know, when if it's negative 10 degrees outside, you just don't want to go in the water. You know, even if you have good waders, and I do, you just don't want to go in the water. I've got fantastic five millimeter neoprene insulated high and dry waders that keep you warm no matter how cold the water is, super insulated boots. But if you fall, if you slip, if you go down in that freezing water when it's negative 10 degrees outside, you are going to be messed up. Now, I'm not saying you're probably going to die, although you could depending on the situation, but your hunt is over. Your hunt's over. The day's over. You know, you got to get out of there. You got to get dry. You got to get warm. You're just messed up. You might get, you might end up getting a cold or whatever if, if you don't act quick or even if you do. thing about hunting is you tend to go out early. <clears throat> you didn't necessarily sleep enough the day before because you were excited. Your immune system's not quite what it needs to be. It's freezing. Then you fall in water that's frigid and it's 10 degrees outside. You know, that's a recipe for problems. Hunting in a field is dry. You don't need waders. Ah, oh, I love it. It becomes like a breath of fresh air in the middle of the winter. But you got to have a field where geese are going to be. So the best kind of fields are usually cut corn fields, cut wheat fields, some kind of grain so that there's residual food on the ground. And you want to find a field that either the geese are going to already or they're passing over on a regular basis or they're in that area. Now, the thing about field hunting is you need decoys. You can't get by with four decoys most of the time. You need to have numbers. Okay, numbers are what's going to draw. Now, you don't need hundreds, but usually you need dozens. But there's ways to do this in a field that you can't do well in the water. You don't need real store-bought decoys for those dozens. You can get away with uh, flags that look like geese. It's just a piece of cloth on two sticks. 
you stick them in the ground. You get away with white shopping bags that you stick on two sticks and spray paint a little black on. You can get away with milk jugs that you spray paint a little bit and lay in the field. You can get shell decoys. And what those are is you can get a, a dozen shells. They nest and stack on top of each other so they don't take up a lot of space. They're relatively inexpensive depending on the level of detail and quality that you get. But you can set those out. So, you know, you can spend a lot less money to get a couple dozen somethings in the field. You get a piece of cardboard, just spray paint it black, cut it out to look like a goose, put that on a stick with some tape, boom. So there's a lot of options to create the appearance of numbers that don't cost a lot of money, that may cost no money depending on what you have in your garage. So what I recommend in those kind of situations, if you're in an area where there's good opportunity for field hunting, buy a few decoys. You know, buy a half dozen decoys for a field. Buy a dozen shell decoys. And then make a couple dozen other goose-looking things. All right? To create the illusion of a bunch of geese. And then you just mix it up. You just mix it up with your real decoys, your shell decoys. And the shell decoys are real. I mean, they're, they look just like a goose that's sitting down is the idea. So you mix it up. You got your standing decoys, your shell decoys. You got your spray painted black cardboard. You've got your white shopping bags on a stick. You've got your cloth looking decoys that are like flags. Some people literally just use a flag. They just use a black triangle flag on a stick. Those It all works. It all works together to create this illusion of a whole bunch of geese. And that's what you want to do. That, those geese are flying around. They say, oh, hey, there's a party over there. We're going to come in there. Now, that's a bunch of work, but it's cheap. And if you have good field opportunities... I think that's the best way to go. Minimize your spend. And, and a lot of that stuff folds up small. The shell decoys fold up small. The, the plastic bags take up very little space. The flags take up very little space. You know, in the water, it's a lot harder to do stuff like this. Right? You could do the floating, you know, gallon, floating gallon jugs, you know, plastic jugs with some rigging and spray paint those. But they're harder to see. Right, So if you have a field and there's some snow on the ground, so you've got some white field, then you've got all this black stuff on the field that looks like geese, and you've got some real goose decoys and some shell decoys, it all works together. So you can field hunt really well like that. Now, you can pass shoot in fields if you really scout and learn how the geese move. So, for example, there's one place that I've hunted uh, the last couple of years, and there is uh, th there's a field, some trees in a field in between a, a big creek slash it's, not, it's actually a lake in the summer, but it's the only thing that stays open is the moving water portion in the winter. So there's a creek, and then there's a lake. Creek on one side, lake on the other. I'm gonna say they're a half mile apart. 
maybe even a little further than that. And then there's some fields, um, which they actually stock with pheasants in the fall. There's some pheasant fields and some woods in between them. And you can sit against the tree in those fields, on the edge of the field, and wait for the morning around 8 o'clock when those geese are going to fly from the stream where they spend the night over to that lake where there's some open area and feed. So you could pass shoot those geese for two or three hours in the morning and you don't need a decoy. You don't need a call. Now if you had a bunch of decoys and you could call well, there's a chance you might get them in there. But we're talking about tactics for new hunters Ways that you can do this on the cheap, ways that are realistic. If you've only been goose hunting for a season or two, if you're on a limited budget, if you've got limited friends, you know, I don't love going to the water and wading in alone in the middle of winter. I just don't love that plan. If it's February, I don't want to be in chest deep water wearing waders in 10 degree weather by myself. Something happens if I fall in, if I get stuck, you know, whatever the case might be, I don't want to be by myself out there. But past shooting in a field, I'm very confident. I feel very safe sitting against a tree, dropping a goose into a field, running over and grabbing it. And uh, a lot safer, a lot easier. Um, definitely, you know, something a new hunter can do because it's cheap. You don't even need waders. All you need is a gun and ammo, which is a good thing just to mention while we're on the subject. And that's what kind of equipment do you want for goose hunting this time of year versus the early season? And the bottom line is geese in the late season, they've got their thickest coats, their thickest feathers. Coats, probably not the right word. They got their thickest feathers. The down is the thickest. They've got the most fat on them. So it takes a little bit more to knock them down. It takes a little bit more to take them out, to, to, to punch through all that. So if you were hunting with, say, number four shot in September, October, I would up it to number two shot or um, BB shot for this time of the year because you just need to punch through and, and have a little bit more hit power. Now the downside of that is you got less pellets. So say your number four shot, three inch shell, you know, you might have 200, 250 pellets in there. You get down to your BB shot, you might have 80 to 100 pellets in there, right? You're throwing a lot fewer projectiles into the air, but they are bigger birds. So, it works if you get them close enough. I recommend and prefer that you go with something better than straight steel shot. I think bismuth shot is probably the most reasonable in terms of performance versus cost. Uh, Boss makes copper plated bismuth, which per all my ballistics gel testing so far, I think might be the single best thing out there per dollar. If you guys haven't seen them, you can head to the YouTube channel for the New Hunter's Guide. And uh, I have done ballistics gel testing on steel versus bismuth and a bunch of other things multiple times. 
And the copper-plated bismuth has between 30 and 40% more penetration than steel shot going at even faster velocity, right? I compared steel shot that's traveling at, uh, I want to say 1,550 feet per second versus copper-plated bismuth that's traveling at 1,350 feet per second. So the steel shot is going 200 feet per second faster and the bismuth still has 30 to 40% more penetration in the ballistics gel at 40 yards. And the further out you go, the deeper that, the bigger the penetration difference is because the, the bismuth retains more power at range. So it's going to have more penetration than steel the further you go. And what I found is that number four boss, copper plated bismuth shot, is the equivalent of number one or BB shot for steel. So number four copper plated bismuth goes just as deep, has just as much terminal power at 40 yards as number one or BB shot when it comes to steel. Okay, that's huge advantage, guys. So that's the same as saying you can hunt with number four bismuth which has like 220 pellets per shell versus your BB shot steel, which has 80 pellets in it. Now, if you want to up it a little bit, you go to number two bismuth, which is going to have more penetration and power than any steel shot you can throw out there. At least it's legal in my state. Okay, number two boss bismuth is going to hit harder than any steel that I can throw into the air that money can buy, period. And you're going to have still way more pellets than you will with BB shot. Now, in some places, you can hunt with T shot. And T shot is even bigger than BB shot. You're, you're starting to get towards buckshot at that point. Um, but... You can't hunt with that in Pennsylvania, but number two bismuth is going to be comparable to T-Shot, all right, in the few places that you can actually hunt with that legally. So uh, my recommend, though it is more expensive, if you're going to be out and you're going to be hunting, I hate going out there with, you know, steel shot that's only got 80 pellets in a, in a shell, and it just... I just don't feel like I'm throwing enough steel into the air and anything further than about 25 yards to have a great chance at bringing down a bird, especially a clean kill that's not crippled. But if you go with something better, like a bismuth shot, um, that can be a real edge. Now, in terms of guns and chokes, typically you're going to be shooting further at geese than you are at ducks. So late season... You know, if you hunt with a modified choke in the early season, I would tend to go with a full choke for the late season. Okay, the reason being these birds are usually going to be further away. Especially if you're a new hunter, if you're past shooting, even if you're trying to get birds to come in and decoy, chances are your hide's not going to be as great as someone who's very seasoned and experienced. Your calling's not going to be as good as someone seasoned and experienced. Your ability to sit still and motionless. Your decoy spread's not going to be as good. And you're just not going to be able to get the birds as close as often. So I recommend upping your choke a little bit. Going to a full choke. 
so you still have a good pattern at further range. That'll help you taking birds at the 40-yard mark and, and even a little bit beyond if you're using bigger shot. I've heard some crazy stories, though. I have. I've heard crazy stories of people using giant barrels, 32, 34-inch shotgun barrels that have turkey chokes in them, shooting um, magnum tungsten loads, knocking down geese at 100 yards. I've heard about people doing crazy stuff like this. I have never attempted it myself. Uh, that is advanced level stuff. I would not recommend you try anything like that. But I think it's worth mentioning that there are creative ways to do things outside of the norm, outside of the box. You know, if you've got an old cannon like that that's got a 32-inch barrel or a 34-inch barrel and and you've got the budget to buy tungsten and you know, you can screw a turkey choke into that thing and you want to try to take birds at that kind of range. The reason they did it is because they're shooting at birds that aren't decoying. They're not coming in. They're flying over certain rivers and stuff. And that's just the only way they found that they can take them. Like I said, not recommending it, but there are options out there. There are things you can do outside the box don't feel tied to anyone's doctrine, to popular opinion on how to do this. Get out there, play, test, experiment, have fun, see what works. It's all going to boil down, guys, to where can you hunt and what is it like to hunt there? Where can you hunt and what is it like to hunt there? And then you have to adapt all these tactics, all these strategies, and anything else you can come up with, you have to adapt it to your situation where you're able to hunt, where you can find birds until you find the perfect mix for your spot. These are tools in your toolbox, but you're going to have to build something that is unique to you and where you're hunting and find a way to make it work. I hope this is helpful for you guys. Please check out the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes for this episode bunches of other episodes on waterfowl hunting, lots of episodes on duck hunting, building the goose hunting archives as we speak. And um, make sure you head to iTunes, leave a five-star review with a comment, not because I need to positive reinforcement, but because it's the number one way to help grow the show and reach more people by impacting the algorithm. Till next time, I really appreciate you guys. God bless you and go get them in the woods. <laughs>